Welcome to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered with Perry Clark. This program looks at mental health from unique perspectives and shows you how to manage your life by finding the knots that help you and stay away from the ones that could be a disadvantage. Now, here is your host, Perry Clark. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. I'm Perry Clark, licensed marriage and family therapist here in California. And I want to remind everyone that this podcast is for entertainment and educational purposes. This does not constitute an appointment with a mental health professional. I do strongly recommend that you seek out one in your area to work on your unique issues. And just FYI, with everything that's happened in the last couple of years, we're all a little booked. So please be patient with us. We will open the space as soon as we can to get you in. So in the meantime, for this, today's episode, this is going to be an interesting treat and a very interesting discussion, which shows a very much um, an important overlap in the life and world we live in, which is in dealing with that, uh, some of the, one of the most profound elements of birth and with death. And I met this person at a recent brain spotting training. They were one of our trainees uh, for our phase two training as I was working as one of the facilitators and we connected and had a very interesting uh, conversation following our training that I thought that would be great for our, for our listening audience. And I will also let you know for all those of our fellow geeks, they are a star Wars fan. So we'll be talking about a bit about star Wars as well in this con in the wonderful complex of birth and death doulas. So let me introduce you to our guest, Yvelka Madri Mad Madrina, Reyes is a New York native with Dominican uh, Teano roots, serving the communities in the Bronx, New York, Hudson Valley, Upper New York, and Pancino Mountains, I may, may mispronounce that, in Pennsylvania, uh, as a brain spotting practitioner and a trauma-informed full-spectrum holistic certified birth and death doula. Uh, she is a international writer, public speaker, raising awareness about maternal mental health, pregnancy and infant loss, postpartum support, grief, grief soul work, and family-centered advocacy. She is the creator and a partner of the MAPS, which are Mindful Awareness Practices of Self-Care that is useful not only to clinicians, but also caregivers and companies in the field, or companions in the field. She has over 25 years of experience working with families and business startups, has four children, and is married to NYC men's fashion designer, Paul A. A. Rarenton. I'm going to let her pronounce that. Welcome to Untying Knots. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure and a blessing to be here. I'm excited to have this conversation, to continue oh. our conversation, actually, and just share oh, yes. it with your audience. Oh, yes. Now, I'm it's a pleasure to have you on here and to be able to continue to share this light about where we interact both with our mental health as BIPOC people, as geeks as well. All Absolutely. of these are the intersections of that. And that's one of the biggest things about this, because those can create both knots that hold us down and knots that we need to be freed from. Absolutely. And just a couple of little corrections. My name <laughs> is Yuvelka Magdalena. And I serve in New York City, primarily the Bronx, upstate mm -hmm. New York, Hudson Valley area, and the Poconos Mountains in PA. Poconos, okay. You know, I don't and my husband is a New York City men's fashion designer, Paul Arrington. 
Arrington. Okay, yeah, because you know, actually, I, I think for the life of me, I've never seen Poconos actually written down, so it's not why it's. I know the word, I just don't know the when I see the spelling of it, where to make that connection. That's the joys of living with the dyslexic, neurodiverse mind I have here. We already here, Perry, so <laughs> I definitely get it. No worries. Right. Well, just for those that are also listening and haven't heard some of this in other episodes. But my, my typical question is, how did you get here? I got here, and you're meaning into the birth and death work? Oh, all of it. Yeah. All of it. All of it. Um, well, I come from a very, very large family. My mm-hmm. family migrated here from Santo Domingo. Mm-hmm. And um, having a huge family, you're always present at someone's birth. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, just being present as a companion was enough. However, I had this persistent friend who is a whole woman's wellness, full spectrum, sacred health doula. She was like, you'll be great at this. You'll be great at this. I'm like, what is a doula? I, I don't, I'm not into this. And she was like, you'll be amazing and awesome at this. Mm-hmm. And it's because of her and studying with her, the placenta, mm-hmm. the spaceship that, you know, the covering that we all arrive on this planet. in. Mm-hmm. I fell in love with it. I fell in love with all the aspects of how the veins run through. And it looks like, you know, a sacred tree, you know, the tree of life. And the curiosity and the fascination made me study more. And mm-hmm. I got more deeper into birth work. What came to my surprise was that at a birth, it suddenly turned into a death. And I was not prepared. Not that I wasn't prepared as far as death was concerned, because I've been a death companion for elders and seniors for, since I was 18, taking care of elderly and and knowing that they were ready to transition. So I was, I, I was okay in that space. What I was not prepared for is that unexpected death and all the emotions that come with that, with the family. And just um, another day as usual, when it came to the clinicians, the doctors mm. and the nurses, it's like, this happened in this room, but we still have other patients to, uh, to, to take care of. And in that space, I realized, you know, this is, this is a gap that we have between being a birth doula and a death doula. There's a gap in there. You always go in thinking, oh, everything is going to be okay. The baby's coming. And when it goes left, what does that preparation look like? And it opens up the world to me to get into pregnancy and infant loss a little bit more and the grief that is associated with that. And as I was working, you know how we all did mm-hmm. COVID before COVID, it was all birth work mm-hmm. during COVID. So many people were losing loved ones. And, and, and of course the rates never go down with black maternal mortality rates and mm-hmm. morbidity for the infants. Um, I spun into this is where I'm going to be. And during COVID, it, I became virtual. Mm-hmm. So my clients went down, but other birth workers were seeking me to, to learn a little bit more. Hey, you do birth and death. You know, 
do you have any pointers here? And that's when this whole training came out of grief soul work. Mm-hmm. And, and then, just, for, just for those who are still a little fuzzy, what is a doula? Doula is a companion. It's a mm-hmm. non-medical companion. And even though um, a lot of people just associate it with being a birth doula or postpartum doula, when you look across the world, a doula is a companion that's going to be there with you, whether it's through a pregnancy or just through a health condition. You are a trained spiritual, mental, emotional, informational provider to that person without having to you know, go out of your mm-hmm. lane as far as medical intervention goes, but you should be able to be fully knowledgeable and what is going on in the medical field. So when your client comes to you and says, they want to do X, Y, Z procedure, you should have some information mm-hmm. to share with them. And in some ways, it's uh, another way to maybe look at it is kind of like an advocate and an anchor. So That's they're right. able to get that second opinion because obviously in any of these situations, there is stress. There is the aspect of, who's reacting out of that sense of fear and desperation. Yes. And when you said the word advocate, I consider myself an advocate and an activist. However, learning how to navigate birth work world, Mm -hmm. um, I've come across those that believe a doula is not an advocate because we don't speak for Mm -hmm. the birthing person. We don't speak for, but in my case, me personally, and I speak for myself personally, I believe that me as a doula, I am the advocate because if I'm fully equipped with information that I can share with you so that way you can make the best informed decision right there and right then, I'm going to speak out. And I've been in situations where they wanted to do, and I say they, doctors and nurses, wanted to continue to do certain procedures because that's the state where the birthing person is most vulnerable, right? Mm-hmm. They're bringing another uh, human being onto this planet. I would gingerly say, I thought I heard her say she didn't want an epidural. So it's like an indirect of being an indirect way of being an advocate mm-hmm. and just staying in line with her birth plan or their birth plan, the birthing person's birth plan, which is a very important tool for them to bring in. When they're, when they're growing or starting a family, especially in the hospitals. Basically ensuring that everyone is staying in the moment as opposed to either lost in the past or worrying about the fears of the future. Absolutely. And then when, when a death occurs in that space, it's all about slowing it down. Mm-hmm. You know, give the family a little bit more time and making sure that you're helping them build memories because the emotions are intense when it's a quick shift from birth to death. Mm-hmm. Whether it is the infant or the mother who passes. Absolutely. Yes. Now, let's just let that sit for everyone for a moment. Yeah, I always have to take a minute. Because that's one of the realities that <laughs> someone say, again, it's a medical procedure, but it is a one of the most critical points in life where life is at risk. Yeah. And a lot of people say it's a, it's a medical procedure, but women have been birthing, you know, 
and, and I have to be mindful of inclusive language, right? Mm -hmm. Since the beginning of time. Mm -hmm. And there was a period where we did not go to hospitals. We were birthing right here in our home. So there's always, there's always a risk. There's mm -hmm. always a risk. But, mm -hmm. you know, the way that I see it, more than likely, you know, the source, the one knows, you know, how we were created to be and we're able to do this. We're able to do this mm -hmm. on our own. It's just bringing in that knowledge and the confidence that, you know, you're up, you are built to do this. Mm -hmm. As long as you're a healthy, able body person in that space. So um, I'm curious then, because we met during brain spotting phase two, and you had taken the phase one like a month earlier. I wasn't able to be a part of that training. Um, I'm wondering how you're seeing that brain spotting impacts birth and death work. You're getting me super excited right now because as soon as I realized, that in brain spotting, we go with the uncertainty principle. Mm -hmm. So how can we know? And then with the, we don't have to know the trauma. Not a word has to be spoken and you can still brain spot your client. Mm -hmm. That sealed the deal for me. Because, you know, in birth trauma, sometimes your client might not want to share what has happened in the past, whether it be a childhood sexual trauma whether it be, you know, a prior rape, whether mm -hmm. it would be, you know, a violation with a doctor or mm -hmm. an examination. And brain spotting to me brings in that extra oomph in mm -hmm. accessing, you know, giving them access to heal from whatever trauma it is. Mm -hmm. It's there and you don't even have to speak. It's that focused attention. That got me super excited with brain spotting. It still to this day, I'm I'm just amazed that I was even blessed with this amazing tool to put in my tool bag. Mm -hmm. Very much, and I would even say that extends not just to the mother and the experience she's had. It also extends to the child because one of the principles we have really started recognizing in mental health is the aspect of preverbal trauma. Right which this is the moment it's literally starts when at the birth and until the, the actual child learns to be able to speak. And even then it's how does a child begin to find uh, words to match up with that experience? Since essentially the body is recording the record of the experience. Absolutely. And, and you just touched on how I received healing through brain spotting. I had a session Mm -hmm. And in that session, I can see the pictures coming in my mind, mm -hmm. but I regress back to childhood where I wasn't able to put words to what I was experiencing, but I could feel it in my body. Mm -hmm. And I saw myself, if anybody knows anything about brain spotting, you know, you have to experience it, you know, in order to get it, you know, to mm -hmm. fully get it. And it was just amazing how these pictures were coming in my mind. And I was, I was verbalizing it because um, my session was done in public. Mm -hmm. So I can share it with other people live on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And I was expressing it so because they can't see what's in my mind. Right. And right. I was like, oh, my goodness, I see myself as a little girl, like in the room, in the space, in, with a blanket, like little, little. I can tell you mm -hmm. what my hair looked like. I can tell you, and it was like before third grade, 
ish, mm-hmm. some maybe eight or nine. I can tell you the jumpsuit that I was wearing, and it just fascinated <clears throat> me, you know, and it brought about, you know, some of the trauma and the tears flowed and everything. At any time, I could have stopped. At any time, I didn't have to share, but I was just fascinating when I was being brain spotted at, as to what was coming out. And I came in with a laundry list. Mm-hmm. I was like, I want to address this and this and this about trauma. And oh no, oh no, the mind and the body knew where mm-hmm. they were going to bring me and where I needed the healing. And I still continued to process after that. And I felt so powerful. And I felt like a weight was lifted off my shoulders. And just by me experiencing that, I knew Mm -hmm. that this was something that would be helpful for others, especially in birth and death work. So I know we've talked very much about this standpoint towards the birth side of it. What about towards the death side of it? I think, um, well, in the death side, uh, grief takes many different forms. Mm -hmm. And many people grieve alone, as we know. And they'll tell you, oh, I'm okay, but they're really not okay. And I believe that brain spotting will be a huge assist because you don't got to let me know. You Mm -hmm. don't have to let me know. All I have to do is be present and let brain spotting do what brain spotting spotting does, right? Mm -hmm. Where we look is how we feel is David Grant's huge model that we hear all the time, right? Mm -hmm. And I feel that just that in itself will help because when someone grieves it's something very personal to them if they even realize that they're grieving and then also in death work a lot of people are under the impression that it just has to be just has to be Mm -hmm. you know the death of a loved one but you could be grieving the person you were yesterday especially look at what everything that has happened to us during covid Mm -hmm. you can Mm -hmm. grieve that amazing job that you worked so hard to get you can be grieving that. You can be grieving these new changes that are coming on. You mm-hmm. can be grieving what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. It does, does not have to be the loss of a loved one. Right. The loss of identity and or purpose is how many people have tied their, uh, their sense of who they are to their work. Yeah, absolutely. Whether it is the job in, shall we say, the corporate world or the aspect of, for example, someone who's a craftsman and they have an injury where they can't craft anymore. <laughs> and you and I have a little giggle now because ever since I got the wands in my hand, I feel like when I wave my wand, I'm not Harry Potter, I'm using the force. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm using the force. So there's a lovely segue into talking about Star Wars there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it really is to me. When, if you want to talk about Star Wars, um, the things that stick with me when... I love Star Wars. When I think of Star Wars was um, I've dissected the older versions more than the newer ones because I just haven't had the time. I've been in the work. But when Luke first met Yoda Mm -hmm. and it's like, this is my teacher. Just the way that he was looking at Yoda, like this is where my wisdom is coming. And it just reminds me on the day to day that wisdom comes from the most unlikely places. Mm-hmm. And it might not look like what you think it mm-hmm. looks like, but mm-hmm. th- there's a lot of growth there. Mm-hmm. Practice. You can be this great, powerful being, 
but in there somewhere, practice is needed. And, and I likened it to, I'm new into brain spotting. Like you said, I've been like, what, two months in now? And it doesn't mean, mm-hmm. it, yeah, doesn't it doesn't mean that you can't hit the ground running mm-hmm. because you can start right where you are, mm-hmm. but you still need practice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, as you mentioned, we're working at some of the older ones. Uh, some of the newer ones, I think it was the second of the three new ones. There's a moment where Yoda shows back up for Luke. And he makes it very clear to Luke that the thing that one of the greatest lessons he can teach, as Luke is trying to teach as well, is that it's your failures that can help your students grow from. Absolutely. That so, genuineness. Abs- mm-hmm. we, we all talk about the wins, the wins. Mm-hmm. The wins don't come after how many losses. Mm-hmm. And you have to embrace those too. The loss doesn't mean that you're a failure or that mm-hmm. life is over. With every breath that you have, you can continue forward. And it's just those little reminders, you know, that I keep with me every now and then. And being new to brain spotting two months in also, the newness of it, you know, I'm trying to do brain spotting. Then mm-hmm. here comes the little voice of Yoda. You know, there is no try. Let's just do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do it. Do it. Mm-hmm. Yep. I have my moments where, yeah, when I started out, it was, yeah, very much is like that struggle to do the setups. Now there's points when I'm working with clients, I'll slip in and out of it. Never oh. have to do all the talk of the setup is like, let's try this. And what does it yield for them in the processing? And I had my first client right, right after um, brain spotting too. I mm-hmm. felt, you know, I had to go back and give someone a call and said, I felt so comfortable mm-hmm. in that space because the training was so thorough. You know, a little bit of nervousness kicked in, but like with any great thing that you're doing or any passion of yours, you will get butterflies. And something you know, new. Of course, of course. Even if it's not new, you know, the excitement of the growth. Mm-hmm. Because with every growth, that's something new. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I felt very comfortable in the space and super excited just to see it working again. Mm-hmm. And this was for a birth trauma. Mm-hmm. I didn't know the lady. She didn't know me. It was a referral from a friend. And it was like, wow, this is amazing. This was that missing piece that was needed in my work. So super excited about that. Excited to see where it's going to go from here because it could only get bigger and better. And just to give access to so many people for that healing mm-hmm. and that you don't have to trust me. You don't have to tell me brain spotting is going to do what it's going to do in birth and death work, which is amazing to me. Which is, uh, I think, sort of another flip side of that is, as we talk about the trauma, what about also the nervousness and the anxiety new parents have? <laughs> the, the, can I do this? Can I have this? Because also with brain spotting, right? It's not that to address negative trauma. Mm-hmm. It's also to, to bring out, you know, the strength and the power and the encouragement a person has within, because that also could be hidden in your body mm-hmm. that you have been like, no, I don't think that I can. And you get this empowerment from within. Yes, you can. Yes. You're built for this. Yes. You're made for this. Yes. You can learn. Yes. You have a support team. 
And mm-hmm. that, that also I have yet to experience um, brain spotting for something positive, for positive triggering just yet. I have been doing more of the trauma work. Right. And that's it's, there's a, and you get more of that in three, uh, level three training. Um, but that's also one of the, goes back to one of those ancient adages that for someone to be able to heal, they also need to know how harm was done. Yeah, to but be I able don't to need undo. to know. No, but, but to how to undo the harm. Yep. yep. It's not like you just suddenly step into that. Yeah. Yep. And sometimes, like when you said before, too, the in utero trauma, mm-hmm. the, the, the aches, pains, and signals that your body receives, mm-hmm. and some walk around, they don't know. It, it, it was caused while you were in your mother's womb. Mm-hmm. Just the healing in that in itself. I'm, I'm curious to, to even um, hear more stories about generational trauma that's been carried collectively because brain spotting can also be done collectively. Mm-hmm. When I saw the groups uh, brain spotting, yes, I, I was floored. I was like, are you serious right now? Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. amazing. So I'm excited to be able to bring that into the space because there's a lot going on. You know, as far as what people are going through these days to pick up the pieces. And it's like picking up the pieces from already broken pieces. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, a classic one is that even if you were to break the dish, can you get all the pieces back? Because you may be able to get all the large chunks, but you won't get the stuff that got turned into dust. Right, right. So there will always be gaps in anything that you re- rebuild. And I, and, I, and I believe also it was mentioned in, in Brain Spotting too that it, it collects the remnants. Mm-hmm. Definitely the remnants. And uh, just uh, going in also into the aspects of what, with the sci-fi and geek stuff, this is also an element of what, what depending on the sci-fi you're talking about, is the idea of the race or genetic memory that characters are either able to access or still being influenced by that they don't even realize. So all of that comes into this play of what we're looking at with generational trauma, as well as the trauma that is experienced in utero, as well as uh, with birth itself when it's pre-verbal. Yeah. And right now, right, we're, we're, we're here talking about the birthing person, the mom, the mm-hmm. dad, the, the family. What about the clinicians in the space? Mm. So many times we speak about just the family and day in and day out. They are doing this work and receiving the secondary and vicarious trauma. What, what are they doing as far as their body keeping that score mm-hmm. in, their, mm-hmm. in that healing to, do, mm-hmm. to continue to do the work as effective and productive as they can? Right. And I, you know, I think that's a perfect, perfect place for us to pick up on the second half. So okay. I'm going to say, let's go ahead and pause here. Okay. So this is Untying Knots. I'm Perry Clark with Yavelka Reyes. Sorry, I didn't go in the middle name, but Yavelka Imreus. Uh, stay tuned, and we're going to go ahead and get into the second half. We're going to pick up more of this because I know this is an interesting topic that, as I said during the introduction, that many of us who are working mental health, we've got a very full list, and we've been working since the moment this pandemic started. So we're going to touch on a bit of that when we come back. So stay tuned, folks. We'll talk to you soon.
Our lives and the world around us can get messy and frustrating. Untangle and Grow Counseling's focus is to untangle that mess and make sense of it so you have a good foundation to build and grow from. Visit us on the web at untangleandgrowcounseling.com. Perry Clark offers individual psychotherapy, couples and family therapy, and adolescence therapy from a variety of coping materials and resources. Visit untangleandgrowcounseling.com for more information. You are listening to Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. If you have a question or comment about our podcast, send an email to pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. That's pclark at untyingknotspodcast.com. And now, back to the program. Hello, all. Welcome back to Untying Knots. This is Perry Clark, my marriage and family therapist. I'm here with Yavelka M. Reyes, who is a birth and death doula operating out of the New York City region. So we were just talking briefly in this last section uh, about the issue of what it means for those of us who are the clinicians, the health workers, the mental health workers, and the issue of the vicarious trauma. Because even though we're dealing with birth, even though we're, uh, and that, that's a great and wonderful experience, it can be traumatic, and especially if death happens there. And that's just not even talking about death in general and the vicarious trauma. And one of the things that has also been very big after this last couple of years with what's happened with COVID and especially for medical staff in, in, in ICUs has been a massive amount of burnout. And that burnout is through vicarious trauma. And the aspect of, at least I know from what I've seen is the issue of dealing with constant crisis. Yeah, I mean, every day, all day, as they say. And this is uh, in the bio when you read that um, one of the founders and creators of MAP, the Mindful Awareness Practices of Self-Care, deals with that. And we had to specifically put something out there because it's, people say burnout, but it's it's almost like a play term. You know, I'm burned out. I'm burned Mm -hmm. out. It's more of compassion fatigue. Mm -hmm. You go into this type of work with a heart to serve with a heart to help and day in and day out, being in this space, doing the work, whatever it is, it can be birth, it can be death, it can be a traumatic surgery for a person. Mm. It's that, it's almost, (laughs) here we go back to Star Wars. You're walking through this energetic field where you can pick up all these vibrations, feelings and energies from everyone in that space. Mm. And here you go, walking into one room, working with one client and their family or not. Because if you have a client in there without a family support, you feel that too. Mm. And that piles on. It's like the onion, right? It piles on, it piles on. And day in and out, you're doing this. Now, with, let's say you have a shift. Oh my goodness, someone called out. Tag your it. Now you're doing this on a double shift of the same thing. And it's piling, piling on. Then what happens when you go home? depending on what type of home you go to. First of all, before you go home, what does traffic look like mm-hmm. if you're driving? And if you're not driving, what does public transportation look like on top of the work that, you're done, that you have done? Then you go home. What is your work, your work to home environment like? You know, mm-hmm. is it a happy home? What do you deal with at home? For me, I mean, 
I've been working from home. I have two elders, you know, who have compromised immune system. I have a five-year-old who I'm virtually, it's like a, a hybrid mm-hmm. school and homeschooling on top of doing the work virtually. Mm-hmm. I can't be person to person right now because of the elders. What does that look like? Some folks out there are doing what I'm doing and then some because they're still out in the field person to person. Mm-hmm. What does that, we, we say self-care, what does that self-care look like? Once again, me and my partner say self-care is another term now that's being put out there like burns out that gets used too often. What is your mindful awareness practice mm-hmm. that gives you the care that you need to continue doing this type of work day in and day out? It's so important. You get burnt out. That's the compassion fatigue. Yeah, yeah because that's not just the aspect of what, and self-care is not just what we're doing physically. So either doing the running or taking, so I would say the hot bath and so forth. It's also what's going on mentally, emotionally. So how are we having our relationships with others? It's going on even spiritually. How are we connecting with that greater divine universal energy that uh, whether you call it the universe, you call it God, uh, Buddha, or even any of the Orishas that these are our connection to energy that is greater than ourselves and how it refuels us. Absolutely. And you're talking about fuel. How about the food? How are you mm-hmm. eating the comfort food, the chips, the I just grab a bite to eat because I've been working X amount of hours and I didn't have a chance to put something nutritionist in my body to fuel it in mm-hmm. order to take the blows. Boom, boom, boom. Right. Mm-hmm. Of everything that's going on. It's so important. I think that now even, you know, this COVID period, it's the times three or the, the, the 10X. You have mm-hmm. to do your care that time and more to continue to make sure that you are okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which then leads to a different, slightly different Ben question on this, because I think this is also very key in our fields about the images that we put forth about people wanting to do this work whether it's to be a therapist, whether it's to be a doula, whether it's, I mean, there's plenty of shows and plenty of media that <laughs> shows about what it means to be a doctor and a nurse. Yeah. And, and I don't consider it work. You mm-hmm. know, it's a calling. I didn't wake up one day and said, Oh, mm-hmm. I want to be a doula. Like I told you, I fell in love with the placenta and from then it spiraled, you know, through curiosity and just learning mm-hmm. and what, what it takes to do this type of work is get trained by someone that has been doing the work. And this doesn't go to say, because now in birth work world, there's this thing that uh, you have to be doing 12 years in order to be credible. No, you can hit the ground running. Be confident enough to know that you can hit the ground running. But in that same space, understand that you're going in as a novice. So not that you can't, it's just that you're, you're not doing it as best as you can because that takes more experience. And the more practice you have in this space, the more practice you have in how to navigate, you know, not only your self-care, but also being mindful of others and what they need to do for themselves and don't carry it on with you mm-hmm. makes you a better and better provider, practitioner, and caregiver in that space because it's too much you know um from from what i'm hearing oh you know she's only been here two months doing this you can do the work at two months 
You can do the work at two months, but know that you need to take that extra step to get more training. Just know the people that you're working with. If there's a high rate of, you know, low birth babies or whatever, it could be anything. Study that a little bit more. Learn more about the human anatomy, physiology. Learn a little bit more about that. Yes, you're a non-medical provider, but you need to know the medical stuff. You need to know the medical stuff. Learn about relationships and communication because you're going to be working with different people in different hospitals. They have different rules. If you're in the hospitals, most, most of my clients that I've come across, they, they want to go straight to the hospital. I try to encourage them to go to birthing centers or even try to give birth at home, you know, <laughs> and then you become a coach, right? Because most people walk around in fear. So then you are that confidence booster. You know, yes, you can do this. Yes, you got this. There's so much to do in this particular field. You can't just label it as one. But if you're going to be a postpartum doula, study a little bit more about that. What is postpartum care? You know, uh, the medical field says, oh, it's about, you know, six weeks. Me being indigenous, my family always said the cuarentena, the 40 days. And me being a mom now, I know that it's postpartum period. Once I had a child, my body has changed and shifted that I am in postpartum period from here on out. I have the body of a, a birthing woman, mm -hmm. you know, and it's ever changing. So therefore my diet and my care is ever changing on top of doing the work. So how do you think this perspective also shows up for those of us that are BIPOC? Come on now. You know, if you, if you just do a little bit of research, you know that the number one person that is dying out there at an exponential rate unnecessarily is the black woman. We need to do more to take care of her more or them more, right? Because it's the BIPOC birthing family as well. Because at first I walked into this space. I'm a woman and, you know, I'm a mother. But when I started receiving clients by referral, and that was not their comfortable terms. Mm -hmm. I had to realize, wait a minute, hold on. I'm here to serve. And this is where I put in full spectrum. I'm here to serve the full spectrum of Hue, H-U-E, humanity, mm -hmm. not just one small sector. So if I claim that and I say that, I have to make sure that I'm teaching myself and staying up on my studies and staying relevant to the people that I'm serving. It's imperative. It's imperative that we take care of our black and brown folk. Mm -hmm. Look at history. I mean, we, we do not need to go there. This is not nothing new for any one of us. No. Look at indigenous, come on now. History explains it itself. So if you know that's, that, that's an area that needs more care, more compassion and more understanding, not saying that anyone else does, doesn't, because all, all types, and I say this lightly, you know, in, in not finding the correct terms, but everyone is capable of having a baby loss. Everyone on this planet experiences death, grief mm -hmm. of some mm -hmm. form or another, regardless of what shade you are mm -hmm. or how you identify. It's or, just, even, or even the gender, because... Uh, yeah. As much as you point out that everything that happens for the mother 
There is also stuff that happens for the father as well. Who who we always forget. Yeah. Look at how long we've been in this conversation before we even address that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the fathers father. or those that identify as. Or essentially the non-birth producing parent. Right. The non-gestational person. <laughs> oh, that's a better. That's a far better term for it. But the one who is there also on the side who's going to be doing also essentially the parenting for the life of this, the uh, of this and these children going forward is also going to be affected by a death and that birth. Absolutely. And then the next ones in line after we speak about you know the males, the men, mm-hmm. or those that identify as right, or those that take the place of you know, the children, mm-hmm. if they're smaller children, how, how do we navigate that with them? Mm-hmm. I say brain spotting for everyone. <laughs> oh, I definitely agreed there. We need more people trained in that and more BIPOC. As recently we heard during our, this most recent training, we are now at a total that is the equivalent of a small country. Really? Well, and that's what David was saying is that the quantity of the BIPOC nation, as we are known, is bigger than uh, most of the countries in the world at this point. And there's more of us needing it, not just here in the U.S., but worldwide as well. Yep. And and my excitement comes from you can start as soon as you're done. You can hit the ground running. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people out there that need the healing. Well, first, you know, I have to correct that, right? Because we don't give them healing and we don't heal we give them access to their own healing and trust that the client knows how to heal him her themselves yes it's that access to we're helping them improve their access to what they need absolutely and that is its own form of self-care yep a mindful awareness practice Mm -hmm. so i think that's a lovely place for us to shift to the myth and realities of mental health and seeking therapy. So what do you believe is some, one of the biggest myths we have around therapy, mental health, seeking all of this? Well, the one that stays with me, even when I was growing up, because when I was growing up is you don't want to see them people because puta loca, you know, you got a couple of screws missing mm-hmm. and that if you go do seek any help that you can't do anything else outside of that. Well, Oh, Mm -hmm. well, you know, you're the number one doctor. Oh, my goodness. He or she went to go get some mental health. You know, therefore, they can't perform their duties well or that it has to be a negative. Like you're going to seek some mental health because there's something wrong. What about if you just need someone to talk to? Mm -hmm. What about the preventive measures? You know, I'm just talking to you so I don't lose my cool, whether it be anger or, Mm -hmm. you know, spiraling into a depression or yeah and as we were talking about earlier the vicarious trauma you cannot do this work and not be exposed to that no matter how much training and that exposure to those things will change you 100 percent. which is part of our growing our evolution in life every experience we have changes i mean i go back to the classic statement from octavia butler and i may script the paraphrasing is that everything you touch you change and everything that you have touched changes you back. It is a two-way street. Yep. And it ties in that we are all connected. Mm -hmm. Even what you do all the way 
out in the other side of the country affects us here. And energy cannot be contained. Mm-hmm. It, it goes through walls. It goes through, as we now know that everybody's virtual, right? It goes mm-hmm. through the screen. I can mm-hmm. still feel you through the screen, although I would like to, you know, touch you oh, hand yeah. to hand oh, and hold you and hug you. And no, you can still mm-hmm. feel the energy of the person. Mm-hmm. Very much. And, and even if we go to the deeper physics, it's like there's the energy of the photons that are being generated by the screen that's being sent at you. There is the magnetism that is driving the speaker that is allowing your voice to be transmitted across the world, let alone that energy that is going into the transmission from one part of the world to another part. That's all energy. And we are a part of it all. <laughs> exactly. And exactly. But that doesn't mean that we don't need uh, as I sometimes put it, we all need to go in for tune-ups. No, no vehicle you have is not going to need to go in for maintenance. Absolutely. And what better, what better way to take care of your mind, right? Mm-hmm. That controls, it's like the controls everything mm-hmm. than to go in and, and get a session. Mm-hmm. Get a session, get a little tune-up done, get a little sprucing up. And some of the ladies say, I'm getting spruced up, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. mental health is mental wealth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it is the mental health that has both built this world and the lack of it that can also destroy this world. And we're seeing now, and, and I say this because I've been home with my poorly for so long, you know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of people out there losing their holy shiitake mushrooms, you know, <laughs> Just look at the news. Yeah. Even more than ever, we're needed. Yeah. You know, and then people need to realize we are human too. So although we are needed and we're fully capable, we need to be able to take care of ourselves. We need to be mindful about that, aware about that and what we need. Yeah, we need our downtime to be able to shift our minds into other things so that we can then have the space to do it. Whether it is sitting down and just having a marathon of all nine Star Wars movies or just <laughs> sitting down and just having the house quiet and having your favorite meal. Right. We cannot, no one can be in crisis 24-7 without it causing a breakdown in the system, the body, the mind, and the spirit. Absolutely. 100%. I'm with you on that, Perry. And we need to, like I said, the the mindful awareness practices, it's a must because even though you might not be speaking a word, your body's speaking it, Mm -hmm. your mind is speaking it. And if you're just popping, you know, Advil's or whatever it is, it's a cover Mm -hmm. and you need Mm -hmm. to get like with anything, right? As we know, we need to get to the root of the problem for the root healing. You need to get to the root of the problem. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as it just strikes me, we were t- mentioning the aspect of pre-verbal trauma with, before we learned to speak, but the aspect of it's more of non-verbal trauma. And that can happen our, even after we are adults as well, when we see something and we don't have the ability to say anything about it. We witness something happening, which is another one of our roles is to witness things, but there is still an experience of trauma. Even if you're standing at a distance and you're watching someone get hit by a car, you're watching someone get beat up. You may not be able to say anything to them. You may not be able to say anything immediately, but you're still being hit with nonverbal trauma. Yeah. From the news and everything else. Mm -hmm. Even, even if you hear it through the, through the walls, because the walls are so thin with whatever's going on with the neighbor. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't have to be present when I hear the tire screech and then you hear that boom, you already know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And to me, I feel like it is a duty and a responsibility for myself since I do know better. If we're having mm-hmm. this conversation, I'm fully aware of what I need, mm-hmm. what I need to do for myself. So when I need that time out, I, I get off grid. You know, I do a small little announcement and I say to my friends and folk out there, listen, you're not going to be able to find me. And my, like right now, my phone will go off. Ding, 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 ding. Mm-hmm. I, I need that time out. And no, it's not selfish. No, you know, you're being loving to yourself. Because mm-hmm. before you can give love to others, you have to give it to yourself. Before you can give care to others, you have to give it to yourself. But in that same vein, I'm not saying that you can't do your job well. And sometimes that means we have certain work hours. And when we're not in those work hours, we're not dealing with that. Mm-hmm. And we got to mm-hmm. pass it as like passing the baton. We got to trust that there's a team out there, like you said, BIPOC Nation. There's mm-hmm. a team out there that when we're off grid, they got our back. Mm-hmm. Because we're all here on the same page when it comes to healing. Mm-hmm. Especially BIPOC community, once again. This is not to exclude. This is to include. Mm -hmm. But we need to be fully aware of what is going on out there. Mm -hmm. Very much so. So Use the force, Luke. (laughs) Very much so. Yeah, and the thought crosses my mind too in our conversation is like, let's see. Again, no spoilers for those of you who have actually watched all the movies, but it's like Palpatine figured that he could control the entire galaxy and a essentially a force that, whether we want to consider it sentient or not, is spread out over the entire galaxy, and you're one freaking person trying to control something that is so utterly massive. And continues to grow. And stretches well beyond that galaxy. (laughs) The life energy. The life energy. That's right. Only problem is I can't do it in Yoda's voice. (laughs) <laughs> oh, we, we, I mean, if you practice, I'll practice. We'll have a whole podcast conversation. <laughs> we'll jump between Star Wars and Star Trek. Very much so. So with that, Live long and prosper. Yeah, very much so, and let the uh, edict, infinite diversity, and infinite combination go forward with you all. So I want to thank you all for being for coming here and listening to Yavelka. I want to thank you for being here. Where can people find you? Thank you for having me. Um, they could pretty much find me on Facebook and Instagram by my name, Uvelka, Y-U-V, as in Victor, E-L-C-A, Uvelka.com. And um, in there are other informations, you know, like numbers and stuff that they can reach me. All righty. So I'll try to have all that listed in the show notes as well. So hopefully everybody has had a good weekend and is going to go into a good year. And thank you again. This is Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. I'm Perry Clark, Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist with Yuvelka M. Reyes, Birth and Death Doula out of New York. And we wish you well and have a good life. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in for Untying Knots, Minds and Souls Untethered. Be sure to join your host, Perry Clark, for another episode on the podcast coming soon on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.